commandments and we do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Let me just first tell you about prayer. Prayer is such a gift from God. Do you understand what it is? Without prayer, you couldn't be saved. God gave us the ability to talk so that we could communicate not only with each other, but with Him. You can thank God for the gift of talking because it's the, it's the beginning of prayer. Prayer is a gift that comes straight down from heaven. You say, how is that a gift? It, it is one of the most uh, taken for granted gifts in all of the Scripture, in all of Christianity. It is your direct link with God the Father in heaven. He set it up to where you, within your own mind, wherever you're at, on your knees at church, in the car, wherever you are, you are one prayer away from being directly connected to Jesus Christ Himself. What a gift from God that is. You don't even have to pray out loud. You can be within your own thought life and God hears you from heaven. Do you know what kind of a gift that that is to be directly connected with God Himself? It's probably one of the most overlooked things in all of Christianity. The power and need of prayer. Let me tell you something. The tragedy in our time is not unanswered prayers, but unoffered prayers. People not praying enough. Ask yourself, when you're locked into this life like many of us are here, I used to be. Tammy used to say, I don't know about anybody more busier than you. I ran a city. I pastored a church. I did all kinds of things. And my phone rang day and night. I carried three phones. And all of them rang constantly. And you're talking about multitasking. It's why I have gray hair what's left. There was always something going on. But let me tell you, you can get lost in all of that. In the fleshly life, we're born in this flesh. We're taught to take care of everything in this flesh. You're taught to go to work. You're taught to make a living. You're taught to take care of your family. You're taught to live in this life. And suddenly, this life becomes your priority and your primary focus. And you forget about the essential things. And that is the spiritual life. That God wants you to live. The Bible says we're supposed to put the spirit first and the flesh second and keep it subdued. And as a man, the, the scripture says if we're born in the spirit, we should walk in the spirit, that it should be first in our life. But if you're so concentrated and, and, and just overwhelmed in the fleshly side of life, I'll guarantee you without you saying a word or raising your hand, I can tell you, you're probably not praying to your full potential or, or like you even should be. And taking advantage of the direct connection that Jesus Christ has established for you with God Himself. So it's not unanswered prayers. But it's unoffered prayers. And let me tell you, prayer will have you leave off sinning, but sinning will have you leave off praying. Let me say that again. Prayer will have you leave off of sinning, but sinning will have you leave off of praying. In other words, unattended spiritual things in your life, sin that happens in all of our lives because the Scripture says we fall short daily. The Bible says if you don't acknowledge the fact that you have sinned, the truth isn't in you. 
We all sin and we all fall short daily. And if you're not praying enough, that's sticking to you, brother. And guess what that's doing between you and God? And do you know in the Scripture, the Bible says that there's a separation that happens and He will not hear the prayer of that person where sin is separating that person. It is incredibly important that you take advantage of prayer because these guys that, that, that Brother Jess was talking about who were walking around in the early days, they were keeping these commandments and they were doing the things that's pleasing in His sight. If you'll notice about this Scripture, there is an alluding to the fact that there is doing happening which happens through understanding and communicating with God to be able to understand what is pleasing in His sight. How did they know? So we, we ask and we receive because we do the things that we know pleases Him. And let me tell you, this comes through the power of prayer and understanding God. And understanding what, what God has to say to you. First, what is prayer? It's your conversation with God. It's not your opportunity to send God running errands for you. That's not what this is. Prayer is not getting God ready to do your will. Prayer is getting you ready to do God's will. That's what prayer established is. When you start delving into the gift of prayer that God has given to us, you'll start learning that God has some things that He wants from you. He isn't the, 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 the bellhop in heaven taking orders. He's wanting to hear from you so He can establish His life and His will in you. In you. I've told you the story. Well, before I get to that, the other part of prayer that, that often gets overlooked is prayer also involves listening. You do all the talking and you just walk away. Do you ever wait for a reply? Do you ever listen for a reply? Is your ears open to maybe what God has to say? Prayer time is not only reaching to the God of heaven, but it's also absolutely you listening to what He has to say. So that's two parts prayer. You speaking, God listening. I heard one person put it like this. Reading the Bible. You praying is you talking to God. Reading the Bible is God talking to you. And as I said before in another Wednesday night teaching that I had here, let me tell you something about God. He is extremely predictable. Very predictable. He's not outrageous and unpredictable. If you know the Word of God, you can know what to expect. And the Bible says, listen, that He is he's not a... a he, he doesn't pay attention to persons. He does what He says. He is not a respecter of persons. What God says is what He'll do. And you can count on it. You can count on it. If He says that we receive those things... Uh, that we ask of Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing Him. What are the things that's pleasing in God's sight? 
Well, if you don't know the Scripture, then it's probably going to be hard for you to answer that. But if you've read the Bible, and the Bible is your everyday thing that you do. The Bible isn't just a book of words that we read and we pass through and we say we did it. The Bible has to be your bread of life. You need to change your outlook on the Bible, your perspective of it. It is your absolute connection to the will of God and the understanding of who God is. If you don't know what's pleasing to God, it's because probably you've not read what pleases God. Amen? So what were they doing that pleased God so much? They were keeping His commands. Now go to the next the next slide, let me show you something. Notice who pinned this one. The same boy pinned this, John pinned this. Now, I'm going to read this to you. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, this is Jesus speaking, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Listen, do you hear this same verse happening? This is the Bible rightly dividing itself. This is where the, the, that... that previous scripture come from it, it's genesis was right here in what jesus said if you shall ask anything in that name in my name i will do it if you love me keep my commandments go back to the former the the previous verse and whatsoever we ask we receive of him because we keep his commandments do you see this development do you see that it's the same person writing this do you see it was john that he learned something that Jesus taught him something. Do you see this beginning to happen? Right before our very eyes. Go to that next verse again. Look at this. And whatsoever ye shall ask in my name, that will I do. First of all, there are a pantheon of gods out there. You need, when you pray and you say, dear God, and I've always told people that say that, dear God, are you writing him a letter or something? Dear God. What God? Which God? There are thousands of gods. Whatsoever you ask in my name, in the name of Jesus Christ, be specific when you pray. God of heaven, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Father God in heaven, God of Jesus Christ. Be specific who you're praying to and pray always in the name of Jesus Christ. He says, if you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. And then he goes on with this caveat. If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love God, you're going to do what's pleasing in His sight. If the love of God reigns in your heart, I can guarantee you, you're going to want to do what God wants you to do in this life. Amen? amen? That's exactly right. Everybody say amen one time. One, two, three. Amen. Yeah, I got one tonight, Brother Jess. That's right. If you love God with all your heart, you're going to be doing what He likes. Why? Because it inspires you. You want to. If you're born of God, if you're saved, if you've been born again, you've been changed and rearranged supernaturally. God has changed you. Your desires should change. Your wants should change. You should want... I'm telling you, me and Jess was talking... I love to come to church. I love to get behind the pulpit. I love to, 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 to act on my gift that God gave me and speak the Word of God. I love to engage the Holy Spirit. I love to get under the anointing. I love to feel Jesus Christ as He's moving in my life. I love to see the Lord move in your life too. 
I love to see people growing in the Spirit, moving out of their comfort zone, because God just might ask something a little bit more difficult and out of the ordinary for you. Prayer does that. Prayer does that. I told you the story about me and Tammy at the, this theme park, Kings Island up in Ohio, and we were, we were young, we were saved, we were young, and... I knew about the power of prayer and God had already called me to preach and we were already doing our thing. And that big storm moved in, man, and the whole they closed the whole park down and it was tornadic and winds and lightning was going off and everybody took off, man. It was an exodus of people, thousands upon thousands of people walking and we were the only ones left. Because I prayed. At that gate, I said, Lord, what... I, did, I knew I was carrying, I mean, I was chugging two kids. Lord, what do you want me to do? Our campsite was probably two miles, mile, mile or two miles from where we were at. And, the, and I felt the compelling and the word of the Lord say, stand still. And you, you asked me, didn't you? What are we doing? I said, the Lord said to stay still. And yes, it was only us. And we were looking at these people walking. And then a van pulled up and picked us up. And we beat them there. Because we were obedient to what we heard. And we acted on our faith. We just didn't proclaim faith. We acted in faith. We, as James, the brother of our Lord, says, show me your faith without your works. And I'll show you mine by my works. Can you be identified as a Christian, by your works, by the way you live your life? When people look at you, do they see Jesus in you? The key to that is your prayer life. Are you spending time talking with God? The very first thing that we see in the book of Genesis after God created uh, Adam, we see them walking and talking together. Because God loves to communicate with us. And He wants you to believe in Him in such a manner that you will willfully, wantonly communicate back with Him. Listen, you will live how you believe. You may say you're a Christian, but live like a devil. Let me tell you something, I learned that a long time ago. You live, and the Lord put it like this, where your treasure is, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If your treasure is not in Jesus Christ, and then he goes on to say, the kingdom of heaven is what? Like a treasure hidden in a field. If your heart is not where Christ is at, it will reflect in how we live. And let me tell you, that's dictated by prayer. That's dictated by prayer. The Bible says in Psalm 66, 18, people say, well, pastor, tell me where it says in the Bible that God doesn't listen to somebody if you've got sin in the Psalm 66, 18 says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. That's what David said. If I regard iniquity in my heart, God will not hear me. That is a statement right from King David himself. What is iniquity? There's a difference between sin and iniquity. How many people raise your hands if you know what the difference between sin and iniquity is? 
I'm going to tell you what iniquity is. Iniquity is knowing it's sin and you do it anyway. Sin is a mistake you make in a moment, in a moment's choice, and, and, and under the influence of passion, lust, or whatever it might be, or peer pressure, or whatever it might be, you commit sin. But to thoughtfully think it out and plan it is iniquity. And David, who knew this very well because of why? Bathsheba. Let me tell you, folks, the God in heaven is looking to hear from you. But you've got to participate with God. He's always there. The ones who has the hold up is us. Now, several years ago, uh, the power of prayer. Several years ago, one of one of uh, our parishioners had a family member who was sick and and was in their final hours, dying of cancer. And they were in California. And they had already been treated and the doctors had already come back with that woeful statement of, we've done all that we can do. So, they wanted to have prayer and they said, could we pray for this parishioner of ours? And I was so proud of our pastor at the prayer vigil because he had the spiritual insight enough to bring a prayer cloth with him. Well, back... Several years ago when we were doing this, we anointed a prayer cloth. And all the people of the church gathered around and we prayed on that prayer cloth. And you say, where does that come from? Well, in the book of Acts, the Bible says little aprons, pieces of cloth, was hung upon Paul's body. And, and through his sweat, and the anointing came. And God did peculiar miracles of the Scriptures. That's what the Scripture says. And He would take them things off and people would, demons would get cast out. Because of the anointing. Understand that when you see miracles being done, it was not by the hands of men. But what we're being shown is that through the power of God and faithful living and you accepting God using you as a tool in heaven and you being satisfied to be that tool and allow God to work with you and keep His commandments and do the things that's pleasing in His sight, let me tell you something, by doing that, you're helping not only yourself, brothers and sisters, but we need to help Angie. If not for you, for me. Do you see? Good living, prayerful living, isn't just to elevate you, brother. Take your eyes off of you for a second. What about me and everybody else in this room who might need you to be living right so that in my hour of need, praise God, you can reach up to heaven and you can reach God in my behalf if I'm not able to. The obligation is on us all, brothers and sisters, to live a life that's pleasing to God and keep His commandments. And what was His greatest commandment? He said, I leave you with just this. Just this. To love the Lord God with all your heart, heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. You can't help but to be doing the other ones if you're doing that. So listen to me. If not for me, for Angie. If not for her, for someone else. For your family. 
for your kids, for your grandkids, for your cousins, for that person you drive by and are in a terrible accident and their life's on the line. How about them? We are so selfish by nature. We all are. We, we tend to concentrate only on ourselves. We tend to only look at things as it pertains to the me. How does God communicate with us? He'll communicate to you through conviction. Boy, we need a whole lot more of that. I'm telling you this comfort Christianity or what I refer to as hot tub Christianity make me feel good at all, all cost. Conviction. Do you feel convicted when you sin? You should. Do you feel convicted when you're out of the will of God? You should. If not, let's pray. We all go through things. They say the still small voice when you're being directed by God. Have you ever felt like you should pray for somebody? It's God communicating with you. Have you ever felt like you should have read the Bible? That's God communicating. Have you felt under conviction if I'm preaching or Brother Jess is preaching you thinking, man, I want to go up there and pray, but I don't want all these people to be judging me. That's the devil talking after God did. You come. I always tell people when I'm preaching, if you feel the need to come while I'm preaching, come on. Come on, don't wait. If God's extending a hand to you, don't let me get in the way of that. You come and allow God to deal with your heart. Conviction, the still small voice through His Word. If you get into the Bible and you start reading the Bible, suddenly you're going to find things that that are beginning to pertain to the situation in your life that you've been dealing with. And you you think, man, I just read that a month ago and it didn't really seem to mean this to me. But, But right now, that's God. Bringing enlightenment to you. That's God. The beginning of life. If you're going to get on your feet in this life, you're going to get on your knees first. And pray. The beginning of standing up as a Christian begins with kneeling. If you're going to get on your feet and you're going to walk with God, It's got to be through prayer. It's got to be through prayer. I want to bring a verse of Scripture to you that I did not put up here on the slides, but in Ephesians chapter 6 and 18, it says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Notice the... Supplication word was used twice. This simply means this. To supplicate is to not to use vain repetitions. If you're supplicating, you're talking to God from the very depths of your heart with concerns and desires that are within your heart. And you're talking to Him that way. Now, so graciously, we're going to demonstrate this in word picture form. And Oscar and Angie has volunteered to come up front right here and we're just going to demonstrate this prayer. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for doing that, Oscar. We appreciate you guys. 
Come on up here. Now, praying with vain repetitions. Vain repetitions. What does that mean? Hey, don't laugh because you're probably going to be next. Just saying. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so we're going to look at this relationship right here. We're not going to dive in real deep. We're not even going to talk about that really. Thank God. Okay. So what we're going to do is look at this, the dynamics of a relationship. Of a person talking to another person. And tell me how this would work. Now, Oscar, you're not going to say anything. Oscar's going to be talking to you. Okay? And I'm going to tell you what to say. Okay? And you just repeat after me. O-N-G. O-N-G. <laughs> yeah. O-N-G. O-N-G. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for always guiding me. Thank you for always guiding me. Now just walk away. And Oscar's gone for a while and now he comes back to Angie. And Oscar comes back and he's going to say, Oh, Angie. Oh, Angie. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for guiding me. Thank you for guiding me. Now just walk away. Angie tried to say something. But he just walked away. Okay, he comes on back. And he's getting ready to go to bed. And he's going to talk to Angie again. Oh, Angie. Oh, Angie. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for being with me. Thank you for God. Thank you for God. What kind of a relationship is that? How is anything cultivated in that? Do you think this is going to bring Angie what she needs in her life? Does Oscar know anything about what's going on with Angie? Has Angie even had a chance to speak? Does Oscar even listening? He's just repeating the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over. And he thinks he's going to be heard for his much speaking. Mm -mm -mm. You can go ahead and sit down. It just don't work. What kind of a relationship would that be if you only go to God and you only say the same things over and over and over and over and over? This is what supplicating means. It means to do away with, now I lay me down to sleep. And you get down to business with God where we can break strongholds, where you get real with God and God gets real with you, where you can throw in the towel with God and you can get down to the brass tacks and you're believing and you're trusting and you're asking God for the will of God in your life. That's what God's looking for from you. That's what's going to heal people. Next slide. Praying in faith, believing. Believe in what you're praying. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Have faith in God, for verily I say unto you, listen to this great word. A lot of people say, well, this is only for the apostles, Pastor Jay. Hogwash. God's not going to give them an advantage over you. That would be being a respecter of a person's. That would make God a liar. And let me just tell you, Jesus Christ to you is either the God, the Savior that He is, the Son of the living God, or He is the biggest liar that's ever walked. Which one is He? Which one is He to you? Do you believe what He says? Act upon it. Whosoever. I'm glad to be a whosoever. 
I'm so glad to be a whosoever. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he has said shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. When you understand the will of God and you understand the power of prayer and God sees in you a sincere heart and He sees that you're not in it for your just yourself or selfish motives, you'll know that you're graduating to a new level of Christianity when you spend more time praying for other people than you. Let me say that again. You'll know you're growing up with Jesus when you spend more time preferring others as the scripture says over yourself when you have enough faith to believe that God knows exactly what you need when you have enough faith to believe and know that if I step out in faith God's not going to abandon me he's not going to humiliate me I'm not going to fall into the hands of the devil if when you can believe that and God's using you you spend more time praying for spiritual things Instead of, God, give me a new car. No. Next slide. Now, this is the beginning right before the Lord's Prayer. Now, I want you to see this. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites. Everybody say hypocrites on the count of three. One, two, three. Very good. Don't be a... For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. Okay? Jesus calls them hypocrites up here. But when you pray, enter into your closet. And when you have shut the door, pray to thy Father which is in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. This is getting real with God. You're not in it for everybody else to see you and to elevate you for who you are. You're doing this because God is real and you have a sincere desire on your heart and you begin to supplicate with God and you begin to share that most inward desire in words that are not planned. We'll see this. But when you pray, look at this. Use not vain repetitions as the heathen do. Isn't that something? God don't like that. You know why? Because that's religion. That's religion. God isn't in heaven waving a magic wand because we say a word. He doesn't hear you because you speak a lot and you say the same prayer over and over again. That's like Oscar and Angie. There's no relationship in that. Look at, look at what he calls them. He calls them heathens. Now it's interesting that he says this as we go along, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. Right? Be not ye therefore like unto them. For your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask Him. Like I told you, when you get to the point where you know God knows what you need, you don't mind asking Him, but you know. And it gives you the ability to start praying for me. Praying for Brother Jess. 
Praying for Angie. Praying for others who have a need. Now listen to this. Right after he talks about vain repetitions, go on to the next slide, Oscar. We get introduced to the Lord's Prayer that people pray repetitively. This wasn't meant for you to pray this. This was a model for you to pray like. You can pray this if you want to. That's fine. But he wouldn't tell you to avoid praying in vain repetitions and then give you a prayer, prayer to pray repetitively. Can I get an amen on that? God is not the author of confusion. How many ever heard that before? This is a model. Right? This is a model. So what do you mean, Brother Jay? Jesus said, after this manner. He did not say, pray this. He said, but after the manner of this prayer. Do you see now the difference when I word it like that? After the manner of this, after the manner, therefore ye pray, pray ye, O Father, our Father which art in heaven. We're directing our prayer to God in heaven. When we get on our knees and when we begin to pray, Jesus says, direct your, your prayers to your Father. That's why I told you earlier there is a pantheon of gods out there. There are statues of Mary and statues of this and statues of that. When you get on your knees, our Father, which art in heaven, we know who that's going to. You acknowledge that you're praying to God. Hallowed be thy name. When you begin to pray, that would be just like this. I'm, I'm going I'm to act that first verse out for you. Oh, Father God in heaven, Father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, your wonderful name that has set me free. So wonderful is the name of Jesus that it has saved me. It's rearranged me. Thank you, God, for the name given. Do you know that each time that they printed God's name in the Bible, they threw that pen away because they didn't feel it worthy to do it again. And they used another one until they got to God's name again and they threw it away because it was not worthy of such an awesome name. Did you know that? When the Bible was being penned, when Jehovah, when his name was printed, they threw that pen away. It was not worthy. Only a new one, brand new, never touched before, would be worthy to print his name again. Amazing. Thy kingdom come. Oh God, I'm looking for your world. Show me, God, how I can live out, live a kingdom life. Show me, God, how I can live for you. Your kingdom come in me. God, I'm looking for you. I want to see you in everything. And I want people to see you in me. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. You're always looking for the will of God when you're praying. God, I just want to do your will. Father, I want to express to you that I want to see Big Woods Church go forward into the future. A soul-saving station where people can learn the word of God and become productive Christians and live your will whatsoever it might be. Give us this day our daily bread. Thanking God, giving thanks to God and request for God the bread. Not only bread that you eat, brothers and sisters, but the bread of life. God's interested in feeding you here. But He'd rather give you the bread that produces eternal life. 
And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. God, help me to know that I have, the Apostle Paul said it like this. He said, my conscience, I strive to have a conscience that's clear between me and man and me and God. Can you say that? Is there someone you have ought in, in your, against in your heart and life? We talked about this the other night. Be forgiving. When you're at the altar, forgive that person. Make it so. Forgive me, God, as I forgive our debtors. You see the Bible working itself out? The other day when I preached on forgiveness, you can't be forgiven unless you forgive. Man, don't you just love the Word of God? How it just reiterates its meaning and tells its meaning. Don't you just love that, Brother Jess? It interprets itself. Look at this. Lead me not into temptation. God, help me to avoid the things. This is how you're praying. God, help me to avoid the things that I'm weak to. Each person in this place has a spiritual fault line, a crack in you that Satan would love to exploit. You have a fault in your makeup, something that you're weak to in the spirit. You should know it because the devil does. And he'll try to get in at every chance he can. Maybe you have a problem with unforgiveness. Maybe you have a problem with anger. Maybe you have a problem with holding a grudge. Maybe you have other things, other skeletons we all have in our closets. We have to get forgiveness before we're forgiven. And if God forgave you for goodness sakes, you can forgive other people. It is the key to prayer life. Deliver us from evil. When you're praying, pray like that. Pray that God leads you away from temptation. God, I don't know what's in store for me today, but God, would you lead me to a good place and help me to identify the devil when he comes around and lead me not into the temptations that can, that can make me fall. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. And give God all the praise and all the glory. This is a model like how you should pray. You can pray that directly if you want to. That's fine. But I just read to you where God does not like repetitive prayers. That's what he said. Then he wouldn't introduce to us a, a prayer to repetitively pray. I believe that's why he said that. Next slide, brother. I must not have put that on there. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, he goes over supplications and prayers. He also was telling us in Timothy, Timothy is an awesome book. It's one of my favorite books, the books of Timothy. Why is it? It was a very young and timid pastor. Paul was imprisoned at the time. And he knew the existence of the Christian church was on the line. I think I might have told you this story, but where, when Paul was being imprisoned waiting execution, they would keep you in a cistern, an abandoned cistern, like a well. And they would always move the site of executions close to where people were being held so that they could listen to what was going on. It was part of the torture. 
Romans were just excellent at that. They were excellent at extracting from you the most pain they could get before you died or passed out. And when he penned this to this young pastor, he knew that he wasn't going to be around to attend the church. And he was giving him everything that he had to give him. All the wealth of spiritual understanding that he had, he was handing over to Timothy so that he could carry on the gospel to a timid type of a man who didn't like confrontation in which the world hated. He was later drugged through a town, if I remember correctly, and beaten to death with a fuller's club because of his stance for Jesus Christ. Andrew hung upon the cross, roped. Roped to a cross. He hung there for nearly a week. And as he hung there and as he was dying, he wasn't nailed but roped. He was preaching the Gospel. He wasn't praying for God to get him off the cross. Why, if you put me or you in a, in a position like that, we're praying for relief from our problem. That's the difference between us and them. Paul prayed from the dungeons not to be released from the dungeon that, that God would work His will in him. Andrew hung upon the tree, wrote to it, not asking God to be freed from the tree, but preaching the gospel. And there were so many people getting saved. The historians write that when, when they took him down and took the ropes off because they all got saved, he died. He was perfectly fine to, to endure the fleshly things and be put the spiritual things first. If it rains, we don't come to church. Brother, I'd walked here to preach this message tonight. I mean that. I'll stand in the gap. you got to have a pit bull tenacity when it comes to being a prayerful warrior for Jesus Christ. you got to bite on and not let go no matter what happens. The time might come in this world that we're living in where it might come to you for a testimony. We know that the first American martyr on... American land was the young girl, I believe, in, um, I forget the name of the school, the first one that we know of. The school shooting, it might have been, was it Columbine? Regardless of the place, the shooter, we're told, brought the gun out, pointed at the little girl, and said, Renounce Jesus Christ. Colorado, was it? Boom when she would not. Do you have that kind of strength of spirit through your prayer life, developed through your prayer life? A prayerless Christian is a weak Christian. A prayerless Christian is a miserable Christian. A prayerless church is a weak church. A prayerless family is a family that will soon be divided. Without the close proximity of God that prayer brings, it won't be long to where the, the, the devil divides your life in half. If Big Woods fails to pray for its future, we will cease to exist. Any church will. When people get too comfortable, when people get comfortable with the status quo, you've got a hunger for righteousness. 
You got a hunger for Jesus Christ in others' lives. You have to be evangelistic as a church and reach the lost and have something to talk about. We're not a place for spiritual retirement here. We need to go on and march on and make disciples for Christ. It is the existence of the church. It is the mission of Jesus Christ to us all. Are you strong enough? Do you have an issue in your life with a child, with a grandchild, with a spouse, a friend, or a family member? Prayer is the key to their deliverance. Somebody prayed for you. I'll guarantee you somebody prayed for you. How about you? Are you sincerely reaching out to God for Angie's deliverance? I'm, I'm happy. And let me tell you, when my time's over here at the church, I'll still be praying. I'll pray until I fall asleep. And I hope I dream praying. I want to see her helped. I've seen enough in my ministry to know that the power of prayer is absolutely real. That God acts in our behalf. Brothers and sisters, I've seen so many things. I have seen so many things. I have seen God do such miraculous works in people's lives. It would probably blow your mind. I told you all the story of the... I had never seen it before in my life. And found myself dropped right into the middle of demonic possession. Unbelievable the power of God that I witnessed that night. I've seen people delivered of all kinds of things. I've seen people who were addicts come to Jesus Christ and not be addicts anymore. They didn't need the 12 steps to being clean. God cleaned them and that was it. I've seen it. God is absolutely real. And to have a successful prayer life, you have to believe that yourself.